Great, thank you. Um, my name's Tim. I'm part of the team that uh, leads Grace Church. We're going to be continuing our disciple-making community series this morning where we're going through some of the values that we hold dear here and kind of describing what it's like to be part of this people. Um, if you want to put your finger in 2 Corinthians 3, I'll be speaking from that in a minute. I just want to tell you a couple of stories before we get into it. Um, it Helen and I have had, the, I suppose, the privilege the last couple of weeks of touring many of the churches in our little family. Um, and most of you don't get to see them. You hear about them sometimes. Thought so it might just be nice to tell you a little bit about how they're all doing. So a couple of weeks ago, we were in um, King's Church, Birmingham, uh, with Steve and Julia. I was preaching. Um, they've been going about three years now, around about 100 adults, something like that, which, on the face of it, if you're used to church in this kind of scale, knowing that this is one of three meetings on a Sunday, doesn't sound like a lot. That, in three years, is a work of the grace of God, and is something quite incredible. Um, that they are to be commended for. It's, um, it's a great church, growing in diversity, got some challenges like we all have, but um, they're doing really well, and they're thinking of you and praying for you, and we'll cover your prayers. Um, last weekend, we were in Manchester with Duncan and Hannah, um, who have just had their second son, Calvin. He was about 10 days old at the time, um, and, and obviously the church is meeting in their home because it's about six weeks old. So they, understandably, are knackered having a new baby, church meeting in your home every Sunday, and guests last weekend. They're very tired, but they're doing really well. Um, they need your prayers, uh, but they are doing so well. We, we stayed uh, for the meeting on the Sunday as well. I think Duncan was a bit disappointed by the numbers. I thought it was really full. Uh, we said something about how full it has been, about 20 people there. I think he says they've typically been getting about 25, kind of coming around for lunch, and then a little bit of uh, sharing from the Bible, and just kind of fellowshipping together. Um, probably the most exciting thing that they've had happen recently, Duncan texted me on Friday, uh, very excited that he'd just been talking to um, a young lady who's been part of them for a few weeks, uh, who I think they were talking about baptism, who it turned out didn't really know what it meant to follow Jesus. Um, and they went to the park, uh, and she gave her life to Jesus. So that's their first salvation, um, which is, a, again, a mark of the grace of God and to be celebrated, and the first fruits, we believe, of what will be much for them, because that church is going to be a significant thing in that city and beyond. Um, and again, they, uh, they're thinking of you all the time. They're talking about you. Um, Duncan's listening to all of the messages because he's, he's eager to know what's going on here. Um, but do pray for them. They, again, they would cover your prayers. Um, Right, so this morning we're talking about we grow. So the value that we've got written on the website that kind of describes what we're like, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, we encourage, inspire, and challenge one another to grow to become more like Jesus. As we love one another, we become the disciple-making community that Jesus has called us to be. So that's the heart of what I want to talk about today. We're going to be speaking, or I'm going to be speaking um, largely from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So let me read it to you. Uh, starting from verse 12. Um, particularly, I want to focus on the last couple of sentences, but I'm reading the paragraph so we've got some context. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. This is Paul talking. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And what I really want to focus on today, and we all, with unveiled face, 
beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. So just for a little bit of background, because that might look like a confusing passage on the face of it, um, Paul is defending how boldly he's been speaking. He's come under a bit of opposition because he's been speaking very boldly to the Corinthians. And he's trying to defend that. He uses um, an analogy of, of Moses, who's a character in the Old Testament, would be very well known to these people, who, when he went up a mountain and was given the Ten Commandments and saw the back of God, when he went back down again, his face shone because he'd been in the presence of God. He started to reflect something of God, and his face literally had light coming out of it to the point that the people couldn't look at him. And he started wearing a veil, like I guess a bride would, to hide his face so they didn't have to look essentially directly on God when they're looking at him. Which might sound like a strange thing, but it's actually a similar phenomenon. You might have noticed it last night if you went to fireworks. Um, you cold out. You might have gone stood near the bonfire. Understandably, you stand near a fire. It's cold. You get warm. But as you left, you might well have noticed that you stay warm for a little bit. Actually, your skin's warm. And what you do is you radiate heat. Now, it goes quite quickly because it's cold out and it doesn't, you don't hold heat that well. But it's exactly the same principle. You stand near a bonfire, you go away with heat coming out of you. Moses stood near God, he went away with God coming off his skin. It's exactly the same idea. Now, he had to veil his face. What Paul is saying is that now in Jesus, every Christian, so all the people he's writing to, can behold and partake of what Moses saw. Not just one man who gets to see God and has to hide, but everyone. And that we're freed from the veil because Christians can bear the bold, unrestrained glory of God that makes us bold. So that we can see God and then actually reflect him. See God and then in some way be like him. So the kind of the background of this is in um, the first couple of chapters of Genesis. God creates the world. He makes man and woman. He makes them, we're told, in his own image. Because the reason that God created in the first place was to demonstrate to the cosmos that his son is truly wonderful. And he wants to show the glory of Jesus, or, or the glory of God the Son, by making many in his image. By making him famous, by creating many in his image. So he creates in his image. And then Adam and Eve are given a commission, sometimes called a cultural mandate, to go and fill the earth. Or, or to put it another way, to go and spread the image of God. Now for them, that was largely by having children and then tilling the land. But that was the mission they were given to spread the image of God by growing into it themselves and by reproducing it in others. And then when Jesus came, because obviously they didn't do so well at that, but when Jesus came, he actually came with exactly the same mission. We might not think about it like that, but he came with the purpose of producing many in his own image. It says in Romans chapter 8, this is talking about the Father, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So the reason that God the Father chose his people before the foundation of the world was for the purpose of them becoming like his son. So it's for the purpose of us looking like Jesus so that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers. They want to reproduce the wonder that is God the Son all across the cosmos. And that turns out to be our goal as well. 
we are supposed to be people who are becoming like him, who grow to look like him, who start to be like him on the inside. We're supposed to move into glory. I mean, back in um, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, we are being transformed into the same image. What Paul says it is to be a Christian is to be one who is being transformed into the image of Jesus. That's not literally, we're not asking, not suggesting that we should all kind of start looking like Middle Eastern peasants or that we all have to be men because that would be really weird. Um, But we're saying that on the inside, in our character, in our hearts, we are supposed to be people who grow to be like Jesus, the superlative, wonderful, best human being that there has ever been because he was also God, the only man who has never done anything wrong. We are supposed to be like him. We're supposed to grow up into him. And actually that, for all it can sound like, quite a heavy thing. It's supposed to be tremendously good news. And the fact that Jesus' goal, as he came to earth, was to make that happen, is tremendously good news. Have you ever felt, some of you will have done, particularly if you've been following Jesus for a while, like you're just a bit stuck like, you've seen some character change. You've seen some things change, maybe. You're a little bit more like him than you were at the start, even if you wouldn't quite put it like that. But you're not growing that much anymore. It doesn't feel like things are changing, or particularly not changing very fast. You ever felt like you can't change? Like, you know, you're aware of yourself. You know you're not perfect. You probably think you're reasonably good. Um, the funny thing is Jesus tends to think we're a lot worse than we think we are, and then love us a lot more than we love ourselves. But we're probably all aware that we're not perfect and that there are things in our characters that need changing. If you just feel like you can't change, you know what some of them are, but just, it's not, you've tried a little bit, maybe you've tried a lot, it's just not shifting. You feel like that sin that you're well aware of just goes around and around and around. And you've tried a few things, but you're just trapped in the cycle of it. You ever feel like others are ahead of you? Like they are more like Jesus than you are? Well, you're probably right. And comparisons are a terrible thing. But felt that feeling of, I just don't know how I could ever be like them on the inside. They look so much more like he does than I do. If you felt like any of that, and I suspect that's many of us, especially if we've been following Jesus for a little while, here is some good news. Jesus bought your destiny on the cross. Which means that there is a day coming when we will be caught up, literally, into the air. If you're still alive at the time, if you're dead, you'll be raised and then caught up into the air. And you will see him face to face as he returns. And in a moment, as you look in his face, you'll be like him on the inside. You will be completely transformed. It is a done deal that there is a day when you will look like him. Your character will be perfectly conformed to his and you will brilliantly image the son of the most high God and you will forevermore. That is done. If you follow Jesus, that was done for you on the cross. Jesus bled so that would happen. It's done. It cannot change. Which means if you feel stuck, think it's going to happen. Whatever, I'm going to talk for most of the message about how we get from here to there, but that is done. The final ending point is going to happen. You will look like Jesus on the inside. That's not an, oh, we must all really work and get there. You are going to get there. You're following Jesus. It is a sealed deal that you are going to arrive there. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, Paul writes, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepared beforehand, which means that, okay, I'm here, I know I'm not great, Jesus is all the way over there, I know I'm going to get there one day, see all the steps in between that I need to take, God has prepared for me. So not only is the end point a done deal, my whole process of getting from here to there, done. I have an unimpeachable destiny, because God, in Jesus, on the cross, has made that so. I will grow to be like him. I will walk step by step and be more like Jesus to the point that I am like him completely on the inside. And that isn't me saying I hope to. That is going to happen because the Son of God has made it so. So for all a lot of this message is actually going to be, come on, we need to do this. We need to grow. The end point is done. And the process is done. Jesus has done it for us. We grow because he's gone before us. And then it might be helpful to have a little bit of a reality check, because that sounds wonderful. Well, I think it does. But um, some of you will be thinking, okay, Tim, but if that's true, why is my life such a mess? Why is everything so painful? Why is it so hard to get from here to there? These are good questions. They're all the right questions, and the questions we should be asking. You see, discipleship isn't clean and neat. And it never has been. We're in a world that's dying, in bodies that are dying as we serve an undying one. That brings challenge and pain and difficulty, and it is not easy for us to get from here to there. Growth requires reality. Think of um, Romans chapter 4. Paul's talking about Abraham. Paul says, Abraham was basically dead. I don't know if that's a description Abraham would have owned of himself, um, but it's how Paul describes him. And Abraham and his wife, they're very old They've been promised a son. What Paul says they do is they look at reality and they accept that they are basically dead before they move on to trusting God that he's going to do it. If we want to be able to be like Jesus, we have to do the same thing. We can't sort of live in la-la land and think, of course it's going to happen, Jesus has done it. We face reality, we look at where we're at, we see our pain, we embrace it, and then we say, oh yeah, and he's promised me this. So that is going to happen. It's got to be both. Um, think of it like this. If you, you're on a journey somewhere, you've got a map. Um, you have to imagine you don't have your smartphone with you for this analogy to work, but go with me. You've got a map, old-fashioned map, on paper. You, you know where you're going, because before you set on your journey, you have found the destination on the map, because that's normal. And you're on your journey. The thing is, maps don't really work unless you know where you are. To be lost is not to not know where you're going, it's, it's to not know where you are. And if I know where I am and where I'm going, I can find a route, I can use a map. If I know where I'm going but I don't know where I am, it's useless to me. And actually, if someone's lost, what you tend to do if you've got a map, you go find someone. You're not asking how do I get there so much as where am I? And then they go, oh, we're here. And then you can sort of figure out your way to get where you're trying to get to. It's the same in life. We have to accept reality to know where we are in order to be able to see a journey from here to there. And, you know, tears are necessary for discipleship. It can be a very challenging thing to follow Jesus. And Grace Church, I'm not sure we're so good at this. We're really good at praising Jesus. We are really good at reminding one another that we are called to be full of joy. We are really, really good at understanding that Jesus means good for us now, not just in the future. 
we're not always so great at embracing the fact that sometimes the journey is really tough. And actually to be joyful, to be called to be joyful, is not the same thing as being told to be happy. Not all the time. Actually joy is knowing that after darkness comes light. Not that it's light right now. And choosing to not live looking at your feet, but knowing where your feet are, but instead live looking up and going, okay, after darkness light, there is good coming. I'm going to live looking at that. That's joy. Often looks really happy, but not always. Most often, I believe, we grow either when we suffer, when we have pain, or in the in-between time when we we see something, we see a goal. Perhaps we think Jesus has promised us something. Perhaps we just want something that's good and we're not there. And we're in the gap and we're waiting and we're hoping. And we're, you may or may not call it pain, but it's definitely confusion. It's often sort of existential crisis. It hurts in your soul, even if you wouldn't describe it that way. We tend to grow in one of those two places because those are the places that require trust and faith. And I think, I think this is true physically, that when we grow, it always hurts. But generally, it's so slow that you don't feel it. it apart from maybe when you're an adolescent and you kind of have a growth spurt, and it actually kind of hurts because you feel yourself growing. I'm fairly sure it's the same in the Christian life. That actually growing hurts in your soul because you're having your sin taken out and you're having good stuff put in, and that's painful. But most of the time, it's so slow that we don't really feel it. When it's accelerated, you feel it. And that's okay. And that means that if you are in anguish or pain or uncertainty or confusion today, that does not mean you have gone the wrong way. That may well mean you are slap bang in the purpose of God and you are growing to be more like him as you trust and you look forward and you choose to hope, even though hope cuts. Because we, we share in Jesus' sufferings and we are supposed to count that as joy. That is so easy to trip off the tongue. Um, and a very challenging thing to do, to say, actually, it's joy that I share in the pain of Jesus. But that's what the Bible tells us to do. I mean, you may not even have recognized that it hurts. You're just aware of some sort of confusion or... But these are growing pains. And before, I'm going to spend the rest of the message talking about how do we grow. But before we do that, it's really important that we just recognize that this can hurt. And if it's hurting right now, that's okay. Keep going. And Grace Church, you've started really well. Keep going. You're going to become like him. Okay, so we are, we're called to grow up into maturity. The New Testament uses lots of language where we are supposed to, we're like children and we've got to grow into adults. There's a kind of sense that you've got to grow up. Um, Paul in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 says to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Timothy is told to do his best. So everything I've said before is true, that God has wrought it for you. Your steps are laid out, your destiny is sealed, all done by the blood of Christ. And you are told to work, to do your best. You still have to actually move your legs to walk into the steps that God has laid out for you. It still actually requires you to do something. And we shouldn't be scared of that. The Christian life requires us to walk forwards, I guess. Um, We need to make ourselves ready for the age to come. You need to make it so that when you get to heaven, you actually enjoy it. um, Because you're enough like him that you enjoy what's there. 
How do we do that? How do we grow? Back into 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, tells us there's two things. First thing it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. So behold is a word for look, like with an exclamation mark at the end. So we look at Jesus. That's the first thing. We become more like Jesus by looking at him. And the second thing, uh, if I keep reading, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. One degree of glory to another basically means in really, really small increments, in baby steps. So it's not I look at Jesus and then, waha, I am like him on the inside, glory. It's I look at Jesus and I am a tinsy little bit more like him than I was before. And that happens 10,000 times across my lifetime until the moment that I actually see him face to face and bam. That's the Christian life. We do it by looking at Jesus and it's a process. That's the kind of thing we say a lot. You need to look at Jesus. What does that mean? How do you do that? How do you behold the image of God so that you become more like it? Here's, um, here's three ways. First one what some theologians might call the ordinary means of grace. You might just call the the Christian life. Essentially what we do is we practice the Christian life. That might sound like strange terminology, but when you practice something, what you do is you do it a lot so that you get good at it. And that's what we're supposed to do. So think think of the things you might do privately. You know, read your Bible as often as you can. Pray as often as you can. Watch your soul. And spot the sin rising up and the things that just works wants to work on in your character. Choose the good. Reject the pleasure of sin. This is just the daily Christian life, all of these things. Where we, we practice it. And we find that as we do it, time and time and time and time again, you get a bit better at it. Or, or the public means of grace, which we've partaken of many of this morning. You know, when we gather and worship together... That makes us more like Jesus. Even if you're not feeling it, still makes you more like Jesus. When you hear the preached word, this is not just a teaching thing. Something is happening right now. When you are all becoming more like Jesus by the act of what I'm doing, whether or not you're aware of it. When we take communion together, we become more like him. We practice the Christian life. Because habits are really powerful. And when you get in the habit of doing something time and time and time again, it just kind of comes out of you. Think of, um, I wonder if you've ever done anything on autopilot. I, I tend to find this when I'm driving, which is actually kind of terrifying because you're li- literally in control of a big weapon, aren't you? But um, I don't know if you've ever found that you, you're driving somewhere. You're not really thinking about where you're going because you know the way. You're thinking about something else. And then you find yourself somewhere different. Not quite the place you intended to be. Maybe you've just driven to work because you drive there frequently. Um, Helen and I find we end up here a lot when we didn't really intend to. We just sort of, sort of drive past. And I was trying to get a B&Q, but I'm, I'm here. There you go. Because um, you're acting on autopilot. It's something you do frequently. And so when you're not engaging your brain fully, you just do it. When we practice the Christian life, when we, we do the plod every day of just doing the things that mean following Jesus, we find that when times are hard, that's what comes out of us. And that when life becomes challenging, those same disciplines come out of us. That is good for us. That is how we become more like him. And actually, I think that is, that is the primary way that we become more like him. If you like, I can put it as following Jesus and getting on with it. That's, that's the Christian life. Just get on with it. Read your Bible. Pray. Come to gathered worship, be with the people, look at your soul, just keep doing it. And what you should see is very, very slowly an upward trend in your character. 
that you become very, very slowly more and more like him. And actually that, that upward trend, is a sign that you're in. It's a sign that you are in Jesus' hand. It's a sign that you are following him. It's that slow, slow, upward trend in character. So Grace Church, keep going. Because you've started really well. So keep going. You've seen increase in your character. So keep going. I don't know if you've been on a long journey when you've gone on quite a long walk and you're kind of halfway and you're thinking, maybe I'd like to turn back now. You don't really know how far you've gone. It can be tempting. It's hard. You're getting tired. Don't do that. Don't stop. Don't turn back. Keep following him. The goal is laid out and the steps are ordered. Walk in them and you'll get there. It is a done deal. You will get there. And this might raise a challenge for you. What if I'm not going to be more like him? Well, if that's this week, don't worry about it. But if you're talking about over a period of a long period of time, and you're like, actually, I'm not sure I can see change. Well, that's something you should think about. It doesn't instantly mean you're not in, that you're not following him. But it's something you should consider. I would encourage you to talk to others. Because so often we don't notice our own character change. And actually, one of the things that often happens is when we become more like Jesus, we become more aware of our sin. So we think we're getting worse when actually we're getting better. So you do need to talk to others, and they will be better at pointing it out to you. But if you're not seeing it, well, that's, a, that's a warning sign. You should think about that. Are you following him? Okay, so that's the primary way that we grow to be more like Jesus. There's two more. Um, second, what I might call the extraordinary means of grace, which is encountering the presence of God. There are times I have found in my life where you encounter God by the Spirit and your character just jumps. So you see the kind of steady increase through doing all the normal stuff, and then all of a sudden, you've kind of gone, it's like you've gone up a level somehow. And people notice, I can think of one particular occasion that was incredibly powerful, when afterwards, Helen and I both had a very similar experience on the same day, and, and afterwards, people would be like, What's happened to you? You're different. You look different. Because I had encountered the Spirit and it had changed my character. Now, actually, every time we encounter the Spirit, it changes our character. And I would encourage you to look for what's happened. Because you can't encounter God with, and leave the same. You will always change to be more like him. Encounters have an effect. What we're going to do when I finish speaking is we're going to make some space for those kinds of encounters. Yeah, mostly we grow to be more like God by walking, by plodding, by taking our baby steps day by day by day. But sometimes people pray for you, the Holy Spirit comes and bam. And there were many people in our 9 o'clock meeting whose lives are utterly changed because they encountered God. That can happen to all of you if you want it to. God is here by his Spirit, he meets you, you leave different. That's just what happens when you come to church anyway, even if you're not super aware of it. But you can leave really different if you want to. So start... The Spirit is going to start chewing that over in some of your souls as I talk for the next five minutes or so. Because he wants you to do something. And he wants you to respond. Because you're going to find that you're different when you do. God will change some of your lives today. Not like a little bit, like a lot. He's really going to change you. That's not me just saying that. That's true. And then the third way that um, we grow to be more like Jesus is, is the people of God. We're supposed to be in community. Because people are really awkward 
And you find that when you're around them, what they do is they rub all the sharp edges off you, like, um, I guess, like, like pebbles in a stream or something. They're kind of carried along by the water, and they, they kind of brush over each other, and they come up all smooth at the end. I'm fairly sure if a rock could feel, it would tell you that is not a comfortable process because it involves it hitting against lots of things before it becomes really smooth. It's kind of similar with us. We're around people. People are terrible and you're the worst, but you will find that as, you, as you're around them, that they knock the edges off you and you knock the edges off them. It's not always a comfortable process, but it's really good for you. What does that actually look like? It means that when you go to home group, whether you like it or not, you become more like Jesus. Now, I love my home group, but I appreciate that sometimes that can be quite awkward as you try and open up and be vulnerable with people. That's hard. But you become more like Jesus when you do. When you join a serving team and you commit to it, you become more like Jesus. Not just because you're serving like he did, but because you're around people you might not have chosen who are also following Jesus and then encourage you and show you your sin and help you move forward. When you think about the company that you keep and make sure it's helping you move forward, when we, when we point out others' sin, that's how community helps us to grow to be more like Jesus. Now, there have been many times when it's been super helpful to me that someone has said to me, Tim, have you noticed this attitude and the way that you're responding to this particular thing? It's not good. Now, it's never, I never like it in the moment, <laughs> because of course you don't. But in the long run, it's been really helpful to me. And we need to ask ourselves whether or not we love our brothers and sisters enough to show them their, their sin. In compassion, knowing that we are no better than them but helping them see what perhaps they haven't seen for themselves. And do we love them enough to allow them to do the same for us? Because that's way harder. But that's how we go to be more like Jesus. As we end up, you can't be a Christian on your own. You've got to be in the people of God, and they will show you how to be more like him. And it will often hurt. Not always. Sometimes it's wonderful, but sometimes it's hard. And we need that. As we practice the disciplines of following God, as we go through the plod, as we encounter the presence of God, as we're with the people of God, we will grow to be more like Jesus. So remember, Jesus is the one who purchases our growth. It's a done deal. You've got to have that in your mind. It's a done deal. You are going to get there. It is going to happen. And as we see him, as we behold him, as we see him, that we find we're changed to be more like him. So therefore, Grace Church, keep going. You know, you started well. You're following him. You've got to keep going. There is so much more for you, so much more growth in character, so much more delight and joy, so much more love, so much more compassion as we find ourselves more like him. That will happen as you just keep following. But also as you encounter... So that's what we're going to do now. The band are going to come, um, and we're going to create some space for you to encounter God if you want to. And if you want to, what you'll find will happen is that you become more like him because his spirit will come and it will change you. And that will happen. Now, some of you, that's been stirring in your heart since I mentioned it earlier, and you're kind of, oh, sorry, and you're kind of doing that, oh, I don't know if I need to respond. Oh, you do. And what we're going to do, because that's quite a big call, that's a, oh, do you want to be changed? 
Do you want to count the spirit? Well, who wouldn't? But many of you probably won't come forward. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to invite those of you who hear from God regularly to bring prophetic encouragement because that can help people who are just not quite sure if they should be responding to this. This is a God saying, is it just, I've just got a rumble in my tummy. Uh, by a prophetic word that shows them actually God wants to do something with you today. So as in a minute, the band is just going to lead us in a couple of verses of this song. Um, if you hear from God, ask him what he would say to others. But also ask him if he would like you to respond yourself. And I've got a couple of things that I'll share in a little bit. And, we'll, and then some of your lives will change. And you'll find you are significantly more like him than you walked into the building. And that is a wonderful thing. And it's open for all of us. So what we're going to do, we're going to worship him. Shall we stand together? Or Chris leads us in this song. And then he's going to change some lives.